let's say we began selling the unit like one year ago. So let's say like um, that should be around April 2022. And so far we have like over 40 units out there. This is Climate Opportunity. Climate Opportunity. Climate Opportunity Podcast. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another interesting episode of the Climate Opportunity Podcast. And I'm excited to be having this conversation today. And my host is a disruptor, he's an innovator, and for the first time on the podcast, I'm going to warn you to keep your credit card close to yourselves because this guy could make you, he would definitely make you want to make a purchase at it sometimes in this podcast. So keep your credit card close or far. Either way, whichever works for you. But I'm just trying to say that we're going to have a very, very good conversation, a very electrifying one. And already this would be one of my favorite episodes. I can tell you that for free. Ladies and gentlemen, I have on the show today someone who, like I said, is a disruptor and is an innovator. And I'll allow him to introduce himself because I believe that, like I say always on the podcast, that introductions are personal stories. So my guest will introduce himself and uh, we'll take the conversation from there. So hello, Abdul Malik. How are you today? Thank you. Hello, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, my name is Abdul Malik Badamasi. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Powerbox Energy Systems. So at Powerbox Energy Systems, what we do is we produce locally high-efficient hybrid power solutions for Nigerian homes and small businesses. And we do that right here in Kaduna City of Nigeria, Kaduna State. The Powerbox Energy System is an all-in-one alternate power solution for homes and small businesses. So what we do is we manufacture them right here in Kaduna State. The systems are designed to actually be able to power homes and small businesses we have two models of our powerbox energy system. The first one is a small unit that's under 1 kVA, and then we have another one for 3 kVA. So these systems are actually designed particularly for the African climate. It's rugged, it's reliable, it's affordable, and then it's highly efficient. So thank you. And I think let's begin from there. Thank you so much for that very interesting introduction. So you've told us what you do. How did you get into this? I think that's, that's where I want to start from. How, why Powerbox? Why solar? Why energy? Mm, actually, I, I get that question a lot. Okay, so um, I'm an electrical engineer by profession. So I graduated sometime around 2015 at Modi University. So actually, we didn't really start out as um, a power company, a renewable energy power company. The company started out as a software development company. So this, my co-founder and I, we designed softwares for small businesses and then generally small businesses. We're talking about like invoicing software and stuff like that. During those early days, we really had a challenge of power. Like we would actually have to wait for hours on end to actually have the power supply restored. And in most cases, it usually affects our business because software development takes time and you need constant access to power. So I think somewhere along the line, we decided, okay, why don't we try to actually get these solar-powered systems, have one installed in our home. And then it turned out that after getting it, we realized it didn't last two months before the whole system broke down. And we did spend quite a lot of money on it. 
So we were like, why did the system really break down? We couldn't really figure it out. So we decided that, okay, perhaps maybe it was from faulty um, components. Probably the charge controller or something just gave up and stopped. So we decided to actually like replace what needed to be replaced and all. And the same thing happened. It broke down again. So basically, so the systems were like unreliable. So my co-founder and I were talking and we were like, isn't there a better way to actually design this system? I guess that's where the conversation started. So this was around 2020. So we began the development. So it began as an idea and then we started working towards it to design a power system for us, just for us. So the prototype was designed. And then interestingly, I think um, my co-founder got talking to someone and the person said he would actually like to get um, a system like that. I think that was where it clicked to us that it seems this might probably be an opportunity. So um, a system was designed for the person and the person still using the system till today. And then the way it works in Nigeria is if you have a good product, good product speed for themselves. So the next person contacted, the next person contacted, the next person contacted. And I'm like, well, we can actually build a business around this. So that was how our journey into the renewable energy industry began. And then we are really keen about local manufacturing because we, the cost of these units out there, like for the imported units out there, it's kind of like crazy, like kind of ridiculously high, which is understandably so because we have the exchange rates here and there. These are things that actually really affect the prices of these units when it gets to the customers. And so we are focused on local manufacturing to be able to build these systems in Nigeria. So we're talking about things like from the casing, from the, what's it called, the software that runs the system, the, the control units, everything has to be done in Nigeria. However, we do have like 20 to 30% of the system actually being sourced from outside the country. But everything else is done in Nigeria. Yeah, so basically that's how we started the journey in Powerbox journey in Nigeria. That's that's impressive. That's that's really impressive. I love, you know, what I love about your story is the fact that you wanted to solve a problem for yourself. And then the yeah. problem in solving that problem, you discovered that there's an opportunity to do more for other people. And I think that hinges on the power situation in Nigeria. I think it's already known. We don't even need to start talking about the fact that Nigeria's energy poverty index is brutally high. Aye. Sadly so. And so the demand for power and energy in Nigeria is limitless right now. Yeah. So every bit of innovation that comes into that space would solve a huge problem for a segment of the market. And yeah. if there's anything I love about your work, it's the fact that you are focusing on local production and yeah. um, tell us about your flagship products and what you have currently. So um, the flagship product is the Powerbox Pro. It's a 1kBA system. Can I mention my our website here? So probably your listeners can just take a peek at um, what the Powerbox oh, Pro is. Okay, yeah, so it's um, powerbox.com.ng. Powerbox.com.ng. The Powerbox Pro is a flagship product. It's a 1kBA system. It can be used to power homes and, as I said earlier, homes and small businesses. And basically, we're talking of loads under 1kVA. So what we do is um, when customers make an order for the system, the system comes with um, one solar panel, a 200-watt solar panel, which can be expanded by the customer to four solar panels. That means the customer can choose to actually buy an additional three panels that they want the system to charge faster. 
So in, I think in most cases, that usually is required for regions with low exposure to sunlight. But around the northern region of Nigeria here, we don't really need much. I think the single solar panel can actually do a lot. So the system actually has its energy storage all in one, installed inside the system. And the energy storage systems are quite reliable. And then it also has a software designed by the company, a proprietary software running this power management aspect of the system. So customers don't really have any fear of the system breaking down or maybe something not working because the systems are like quite tested and highly reliable. We have customers mm-hmm. from over 10 seed states of Nigeria, though we are still, like, we are still at the early stage right now. But then again, the interesting thing is the demand has even um, outpaced the supply as it is right now because we have, we have, we have a long list of customers them looking to obtain the systems. So in most cases, the delays you usually have is, um, as I said earlier, 20 to 30% of the system has to come from outside the country. So okay. we do have experienced delays generally when it comes to suppliers or getting products from those countries to Nigeria. So the Powerbox Pro, as you can see from the website, is compact, it's modular, it can be moved. You don't need additional um, components attached to the system. It's a system that just comes right out of the box you put it out of the box and then you connect it to your phone so basically that's how it actually works so it's a it's quite straightforward to use and can be installed by any decent installer so um basically that's the powerbox pro and it's the flagship product however we do have another new product coming soon that was going to be the powerbox se and that is um a three kilowatts to six kilowatts rated power system so we don't have that yet currently in the market, but it's something we are looking to bring into the market going forward. So um, that's it on the Powerbox Pro. So talking about, you're going to get me into my area of weakness, which is all these ratings and power and um, electrical tabs. I am not, I can't do all of that to save my life, even though I, I did physics to a very significant point in my life. But let's keep it as technical as much as possible. I mean, let's not let's not become too technical. For okay. we everyday people and the everyday Nigerian, what I know this solves the problem of lack of access to power and all of that. But so far, I know people who are looking for customers every day. You know, this, mm. the regular solar guys. Yeah, I know people who are advertising and all of that. But here you are, you have a wait list. And yeah. I, I don't even know. It, it's interesting that some people are chasing people while other people, on this other side, people are literally chasing you to get yeah. the product. What's going on? What's the difference maker? What's the unique thing about your solution that's giving this kind of, you know? I think the first, the first attraction is, um, I think there are mainly two reasons why that is. I think the first is um, the reliability of the systems. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, the pricing of the systems. Because I think our product is the most affordable of its class currently. So the product goes for 800000 But if you're going to be getting a system of that same class from, let's say, the, the imported ones, the system alone, and okay, the 300000 actually covers for solar panels also, and then the power box units, and then a nine yards wire. So, but for if you're buying it from out, if you're buying another important brand, the system goes for roughly less around three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand without the solar panels or connecting wires. So I wow. think that, that 
control takes an advantage one. And then secondly, they can, as I said earlier, the reliability of the systems. And I think the interesting thing is most of our customers don't even know these systems are actually made in Nigeria. Surprise. Whoa. Yeah. So tell me because, making it locally. Because your ability to, if I hear you correctly, your ability to price lower is because yeah. you're producing part of your products locally. Exactly. Right? So I I mean, how important and strategic is local production for the growth or and sustainability of innovations in Nigeria? I mean, I, speaking I think, to the economy. Yeah, really, Daniel. This this is this is the part I'm really passionate passionate about when it comes to local manufacturing. Because personally speaking, I feel that is just the only way out for Nigeria. Really, depending on foreign products or I don't know companies from outside to come and solve our own immediate problems here. It's not going to work. It's not sustainable. The only way to actually solve this challenge is to build the capacity locally. You can't go wrong with local manufacturing. That way, we can always bring down the costs. We can always improve our capacity. We can always build. We can even work on what we currently have to actually build better products going forward to actually solve our problems. And then again, the side effect of this or the upside of this is things like lower cost products, lower price products for customers. So you can imagine if we have like multiple companies like Powerbox, for example, now doing something similar across the country. At the end of the day, we end up having products that are going to be more accessible to more people. That more people will be able to afford and they won't be left out of the move to the renewable energy power source compared to having these products imported. So I strongly believe that for us to achieve sustainability in this country, we need local manufacturing. Local manufacturing is the only way out. For importing, we're exposed to the effect of volatility, which is like one of the biggest the exchange rate is this rates today. By next week, it's something else. The yeah. whoever is importing is losing, and um, whoever is buying is like, oh, this is getting too expensive. And then mm-hmm. they probably have to end up quitting the purchase or probably going for a lower quality product. So basically, I really think local manufacturing is just a simple way out of this uh, energy access challenge we are having. And local manufacturing has to start from things like building these power systems in Nigeria for Nigerians by Nigerians. Because as a Nigerian myself, we truly understand this problem. So once the systems are being built, we build it in such a way that a fellow Nigerian wouldn't even... Basically, it's just going to be seamless. Because once they buy the system, we know Nigerians don't really want to buy a system and then start having to read manual. They just want to buy it, install it, and use it. And they want it to work consistently and reliably. And that was what we delivered to our customers. And as I said earlier, most of the customers don't even know that the system is actually made in Nigeria. Because it's not something we discuss at all. The reason why we did that is because we really want to have our product compete with whatever is coming out from outside the country. So we don't want customers to be like, oh, this is a Nigerian product and that's a foreign product. They can't even tell the difference because they don't really know. They can't even imagine. They can't even fathom that it's actually been made in Nigeria. Probably the good quality is there. And I said it again, the reliability is there. So these are the things that we actually worked on to actually make our product on par with whatever it is they'll be getting from outside the country in terms of aesthetics and reliability and high efficiency. Fantastic. You know, as you were talking, I'm going to ask yeah. you this follow-up question because people are going to tell you, hey, Abdul Malik, you are all pumped up about what, you know, producing locally, doing things in Nigeria. Does it have yeah. this challenge? Of course, you've talked about the opportunity. The opportunities are there because we're able to price lower. We're able to sell comp- at, a, at competitive rates. We're able to, you know, shield our businesses or 
immunize them from the volatility of the forex market and then we're able to use things that more importantly fit into our terrain and our context right yeah yeah the question i want to ask you is and then my follow-up question after this would be to talk about the size of your team and how you work as a matter of fact you are allowed not to talk about trade secrets please be very careful with your trade secrets but yeah. talking about manufacturing locally the opportunities are enormous and i don't want to talk about challenges on this podcast but i would say aside from these opportunities that you've highlighted for anyone coming what do you think are the critical things to do so if, if i want to i'm not going to talk about challenges right now change my mind let's talk about what the average startup person who wants to do what you're doing which is manufacture locally what are those things that they need to pay attention to maybe one or two in the beginning okay in that regard i think the biggest thing they'll have to pay attention to or they'll have to know up front will be the fact that they will have to do almost everything on their own so i'm talking about like software design you have to be able to design your software we're talking about building the tools to manufacture because no two manufacturing processes are alike So you need tools for particular manufacturing process. You will have to be technical enough to be able to build those particular tools for your products. And then again, the biggest hurdle is going to be the knowledge, multiple knowledge from different industries coming together to actually make it possible here in Nigeria. And it usually ends on the technical side because these things are difficult to do. I'm not going to lie. It's quite difficult because if it were easy, we have a lot of Nigerian companies doing these things in Nigeria, but it's quite difficult. It takes time. In short, the prototype phase might take up to like one to two years. So it basically is just really about patience and then having the technical know-how to actually be able to piece together different knowledge from different industries to be able to build. So basically, it really bonds around knowledge, actually. So you need a lot of technical expertise to be able to actually have this done. So it's unlike the software business we're coming from where, yeah, maybe you can write a couple of languages and then that's it. You can start... building products but in manufacturing you're talking about things like electronics you have to put electronics i think i was lucky enough because i'm an electrical engineer so electronics is not really scary for me mm-hmm. and then we're talking about the software aspect of it that's something we do so i think what we worked on to develop properly was things like material science choosing the right materials and design generally also so these are really things that really have to come together seamlessly to actually make it possible to build this system. So I would say it all borders around having bits of knowledge from different industries to actually find a way of making them work together, bringing them together and then making it work for you in the Nigerian context. And then the second thing is what we realized. Once we began, it wasn't really clear to us what kind of challenges we were facing going forward. But I think the biggest realization is, yeah, you can build one, two, three, four units. But the challenge is, do you have the process to build 200 units? 500 units, 1000 units, 5000 units. That requires basically like changing almost 60 to 70% of your existing processes because now you have to build tools that will actually enable you to be able to produce these units in massive numbers. So I think that's where countries like China actually got it right. So the power box it's good and all. Yeah, but it's just let's say for example we're just starting now so it's a couple of units. So the real challenge lies in scaling. Scaling it to become widespread to become a product that is going to be in every home in Nigeria. So, we're on that path already to try to get there. 
I think that's going to be like the challenge, I guess. So it's something we were actually looking forward to. And whoever it is that's considering local manufacturing should also look forward to. It's not really about building one, two, three, four, five, six, ten units. Yeah, that's possible. But to actually make this thing work, you need to be able to build 50, 100, 200 units. And that's a whole new work on its own. So basically, I guess that's it. Thank you for that very succinct explanation. And you've you've made it as elaborate as possible. And I hope that listeners have taken something away from that. So you've come to scaling and numbers. So let's do a little bit of numbers. How many units have you produced so far? And what are your targets? So I I knew you started with maybe one or two. And now you have a wait list. So tell us, what does numbers look like? How many? I think you started in 2020. Between then and now, how many, how many units have you rolled out? Okay. The conception of the power box started in um, 2020, and then we rolled out 2022. So development took two years. It took two years to wow. build it to the current state it currently is. So let's say we began selling the units like one year ago. So let's say like um, that should be around April 2022. And so far, we have like over 40 units out there. Great, great. Not up to 100, actually. Not up to 100. Wow. So how many units are you able to produce, like, say, in a month? In a month, on average, we should be able to, we can produce, um, let's say, 15 in a month. 15 in a month now. So that's the capacity we are currently growing. But then again, we are really more focused on larger numbers than the current numbers. Because as it is right now, with the waiting list that keeps growing, Obviously, the current numbers won't cut it at all. So we are doubling down on finding a way to actually make our processes more faster and then trying to find a way of making the process be able to produce more units at a time. So we're talking of like at least 100 units per month kind of um, scale. So what's the current size of your team and how are you able to manage 15? Now, I hear a lot of you know, the surprising thing I, I didn't know, or yeah. I know because I've heard you pitch before, but when someone yeah. listens to you, when you started talking about coding and programming and all of that, I, my, my immediate response or thought was, bro, we're talking about solar here. I mean, it's inverter and all of this. Where does that come in? I said that to ask this question. What does your team look like? How many are you? Okay, um, I can't reveal the exact number we are, but I can say we are less than 10. Go on. We are a team of less than 10 people. We diverse skills. Generally. What kind of skills? So we are talking of design skills, business skills, engineering skills. Wow. And yeah. you guys are able to manage 15. So for you to move to 200, would you need yeah. more hands or you're still able to pull that over these current numbers? That's where the innovation comes in. We're looking to keep our team size as small as possible while increasing the outputs. And the only way to have that done is through basically building tools that we go to produce more systems at a go. So it's going to be a situation where few people will be managing the systems and their productivity rates will really be high. So what that means is um, we're talking about basically just talking about machines. Let me just put it that way. Exactly. A machine that a person can man to actually have a lot of things done. I'll keep on it consistently to print these units. So we're not really big on expanding our team because managing people is not really easy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. personally speaking, I don't think we have the knack for managing people. 
and so is my co-founder. So we really believe in automation kind of, I guess. So that's where our head is at currently right now. Great. So talking about growth, what have been the two most important thing that has, of course, we've talked about your idea and how solid it is and the fact that it solves a problem too. And yeah. I think is one thing. But besides that, I'm, this is where I'm going. I am going to the Embryo Incubation and the funding that came from it. Has that been a game changer in any way or it was just a good to have? I think um, that was a really the first time. Okay, not really the first time, but I think, okay, we've partook in some competitions generally, let's say even outside Nigeria. That's from Nigeria here. And then I think what Embryo represented for us was validation of our idea, of our product on a higher level. I think that's it for us. Because, yeah, we have customers buying our product, but we never really knew how impactful the product was until after the Embryo program. Um, may I ask, were you in attendance during the pitch program yeah, then? I was there. Okay, oh, wow, nice. So... Basically, that's what it represented for us. It was more like a validation that it seems what we're doing is, is important. It means that you're onto something great or something fantastic. Yeah, yeah it was a validation for us that we, we're actually onto something, so to speak. So what has happened after then? Because you're not talking about the fact that you got 10,000 USD. Oh, <laughs> so, thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, we actually got, we actually got 10,000 USD. The competition really, apart from the fact that it gave us some media coverage, we even did have some people try to reach out to us, like, hey, I would like to get a product and all. So I think the 10,000 USD actually even went to, let me just say, it went to like basically improving our processes and making our processes more efficient. Yeah. I think the funders and the sponsors will be pretty proud of that because in the end, the goal is not for you to go to Kaduna and buy a new sports car and iPhone 14 Pro and start speaking um, and continue yeah. the pitching journey. I'm telling you, which is the bane of a lot of innovators in this country. People go yeah. pitch, the next thing is they have a new car, they've got a better phone and then they include the rest in their business and they continue <laughs> pitching. So, you know, pitch that a bigger thing. Not, I think it's brilliant that you funnel that whole resource into improving your system. In our situation here, we First is for us, it speaks probably to our passion. Yeah, the money is cool, having the money and all, and as we said, the sports car, if I can put it that way, it's nice and all, but we just believe at the right time, all these things will actually come at the right time. But the reason why this one came is the business. So diverting resources away from what brought 10,000 USD doesn't sound like a smart business idea for us. So basically, I think it's just about passion, really for actually putting Nigeria on the map for us. So right. you should show me a product and tell me, okay, this is made in Nigeria. I'll be 10 times more enthusiastic about it than probably maybe something else like that. Because we just need to put this country on the map. We have the brains, we have the resources. I know it's not easy, but it's not impossible. And companies like ours, we hope to actually be one of those companies that are going forward, hopefully, be able to point out, okay, these are the guys doing something reasonable or significant in the renewable energy industry. So we don't need more companies like this in almost every industry that I can find in Nigeria. So it's all about the passion for us. Fantastic. I think I, and that passion, that passion really comes through. And, you know, 
one of the things listening to you has done to me is the fact that it has dismantled this myth that Nigerians don't like to buy in Nigeria or they don't like to buy made in Nigeria. Because here you are with a long wait list of people waiting to get your product, which is by and large made in Nigeria. And nobody cares. I'm sure we're confounded ourselves when we realize the problem isn't even, it's a Nigerian made product. People don't really actually care. That's all the point I was trying to make. They don't really care if it's Nigerian made or not. That's why I guess nobody really bothered to ask us. Because yeah. if the quality is there, why should they be bothered if it's Nigerian made or not? It's not a question that comes up. So I think the reason why people are actually skeptical about Nigerian products is maybe probably the build quality is terrible and then things like reliability is kind of like poor. That's where things like that actually... For God's sake, people buy made in Nigeria plastic cups. Why don't they complain that, okay, the cup is made in Nigeria? They wouldn't complain because it serves the purpose, the intended purpose. It's a cup yeah. and it works. So why can't mm. we have that more advanced products like ours? So it should be a product that works, basically. So if it's a product that works, nobody will really ask you, is it in Nigeria? You know, we are surprised us. So I was like, I was telling my co-founder, I'm like, dude, nobody's asking us if this thing is made in Nigeria. We are all Spain. So what's going on? It's like we're actually getting all this wrong. The whole notion of people don't buy made in Nigeria products. No, if the product is not good enough, they will complain and they will tell you it's made in Nigeria. That's why it doesn't work. So I think it's nice to actually know that the problem is not the fact that it's made in Nigeria. The problem they most likely has to do with the product itself. True, true. And I remember seeing your product the first time, and this is credit to you. And I remember how much time you spent talking about the design process and the iteration and the fabrication. And credit to you, your product looks very sleek. Trust me, wow. I, yeah. I love the design. And Thank I think so one of the things pointed out to you that it's a very sleek design. I love design. I love design thinking. I'm a designer. Design is one of the things I love that fascinates me all the time. Let's talk about the design process. Tell me the kind of thinking and work that went into that design process. Because a lot of customers may not appreciate how thorough. I am saying this to the listeners and I am saying it to you. That product is sleek. Mm, it is. Trust me, it is. So we were talking about made in Nigeria and why people sometimes don't buy it. It's because a lot of times we don't pay attention to finishing. And little things are the things that matter when it comes to product design, especially fabrication. You can build exactly. an app easy. It's not like it's cheap. You know, yeah. but when you begin to move from concepts to real life models, prototypes, you yeah. have to be watertight on things like corners and bends. I looked at the program, the product from afar that day, and it looked every inch tight. Like mm. nothing, even the print on the machine. You remember that sometimes you you yeah. see very shoddy paint jobs and yeah, yeah. Tell me. Tell me your design to fabrication process, the kind of thinking that goes into it. I, I can tell you this for free. It took a lot of iterations because I think it was where we got started that we realized design was everything. Like, literally speaking, design can make you leave money on the table, really, for another product that's better looking. Wow. So, we are really upset. I think kudos to my co-founder for that. He's an Apple fan. I don't know if you should look at the product closely. You will see some kind of yeah. inspiration like Apple products kind of it's white and then yeah. no too many buttons and too many texts like, mm, go exactly. 
we don't put buttons where buttons are not necessary. We don't add strings because people don't really care about those things. You understand? Basically, it's a product that should just get stuff done. You press the power button, it comes on, it serves you light, and boom, that's it. No fancy screens, no fancy buttons, no fancy ports or anything. So the design process took roughly, let's say, I think from 2020 to like 2022, a lot of iterations. And most importantly, I think the design was like paper. It's not actually being done. It's actually a computer-generated design, actually. It's not a paper design. I think that's the reason I will reveal about it. So that explains why it's uh, just it's accurate. Every measurement is accounted for and everything matches. If you are to do that with your normal pencil and biro or just draft on this thing, it won't work because it won't be scalable. So there are measurements for everything. The how many cm the edges are, the size of the pots. Everything on the product is actually measured, actually. So everything is like secular size, if I can say that. So nothing around the product is done out of maybe like guesswork and stuff. I, I think that's why the product comes out the way it does, actually. Because we are really, really big on design. And I said earlier, you can actually leave money on the table just by getting the design wrong. Because customers will be like, eh, this one is not pretty enough. Or, and the truth is, people actually respond to good designs. Wow. So I, we, we have to double down on not making our design uncool. Thank you. Um, thank you for stressing that. And I hope that founders and creatives listening to this would take inspiration from what you've done. Like I said, I love to talk about design. I'm a designer, so... And you made it very clear to everyone that design can be the difference between a great product and a not great product. In fact, design can be the reason why this product is a trillion-dollar company and this one exactly. is just... Right. So, to innovators trying to... Exactly. Exactly. Especially as we look at clean tech, there are lots of Nigerians who are seizing the opportunity and taking the challenge by the truth and a lot of them are trying to fabricate things and i think that there needs to be more conversation about if you have to do it you have to do it well you have to be exceptional another thing is i love your packaging yeah the packaging is what's time like i think it'll be wooden wooden box yeah 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 yeah. the packaging that you have yeah that was intended for customers living far away from Kaduna because the transport guys can actually screw things up if you should give them without any form of protection. The, the wooden box had to be designed to enclose the system and protect it for long distance um, trips for delivery. Right. I mean, that that's thoughtful considering the fact that you now have customers from, you said, the 36 states of the country. And that's incredible. That's really incredible. For, for a business yeah. that's less than five years to have the entire country penetration. That is incredible. Well done. Yeah. Um, so, typical questions on the show. We've talked about your product. We've talked about the opportunity. My typical questions now would be, number one, where do you see Powerbox in five years? I see Powerbox gaining countrywide recognition in five years. You already have countrywide recognition. What else are you looking for? You have customers in 36 states. Yeah, we want to be the upper by level of power. So <laughs> you can understand where we are going to. I'm not sure the foreigners listening to this to this podcast will understand what I pass my neighbor is. Oh. <laughs> okay, so is this a popular generator set that 
almost every small business has a home has have in Nigeria kind of so it's about 100 kilowatts right I don't even know. I've never really used it, but I don't really know the. I think it's how many kilowatts do you call it? I think it's about one, maybe one kilowatt. Maybe one, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe yeah, one kV so or something like that. It's it's comparable, I guess. Yeah. Awesome, fantastic, and that is if I pass my neighbor without smoke, without constant servicing. Yeah. Yeah. Without, I pass my without, without smoke, without constant servicing. Without the headaches that come with maintaining mechanical devices, without failures, you have to pay me for this marketing consultation. I've just <laughs> <been>. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, beautiful and brilliant. So I mean, that's okay. a great, that's a great. Um, yeah. We're heading towards the removal of the fuel subsidy, Abdul Malik. I have your number already, so I'm in a good place because you're about <laughs> to be billionaire. Do I need to send my CD? <laughs> and um, how do you think that fuel subsidy removal will affect renewable energy growth in Nigeria? Okay, well, it probably seems the subsidy will probably be removed because I heard them using the injection of eight hundred million dollars as a palliative for removal of subsidy. I don't know how effective that will be, but I can say this for free: the cost of powering homes using generator sets will be astronomically high. So what should we do now? Should we all come and queue in your workshop and, and be begging you people? <laughs> Basically, I, I just hope our capacity meets up with the demand that will come after us. Man, your, your life is going to be very stressful for the remaining of this year from June. I can tell you that. Possibly. I was telling my friend that I will, you sign up for this life. It's not going to be an easy one. <laughs> you, how you will manage your wait list is, is what I don't know. And I think that if you're not already doing some serious marketing or about this whole subsidy thing, you should. Because I don't think it would be wise for anyone to wait until after subsidy has been removed. How soon should we expect the bigger capacity power solution that you're talking about? Are you already yeah, no, taking I, for that? Yeah, actually, so. Yeah, for the bigger capacity. Yeah. What we're trying to do is um, we're trying to build the first units and then sell. So I think that will help us with enough insights to actually build a strategy around bigger capacity units. But for now, it's not in the market currently. So we are trying to build the first unit and sell it just to... So basically things like price points, things like customer mm-hmm. feedback will have to be studied kind of. So afterwards, we will build... You want to wait until after subsidy has been removed and prices are now cut through prices before you release this uh, big no, as much as we would like to hasten everything, these things do take time, kind of. So we just have to go through the process, I guess. Great. Okay, so when it comes to getting your product, are there, yeah. are there stores where people could walk to to pick them or they have to... Or do you have a physical store, showroom in Kaduna, or it's all online, you order and then it ships directly to you? So, so currently right now we we are online right now we are strictly online for now okay yeah because i'm open having a physical store at this current scale you get inundated with requests and we know i don't think we can handle the pressure so we are currently sticking to online purchases as it is right now so if, if you're talking to an investor who's giving you an open check how much yeah. would you be asking to move your business to the next level 
it depends what kind of level are we talking about in usd i mean we spoke about 100 to 200 units monthly how much would you be asking for in usd to do that monthly hmm. for such thinking of the top of my head right now i think maybe let's say for everything to come out monthly can we actually have more than 200 units monthly but let's say around a million dollars i guess or let's say like 700 to a million usd are you open to so i know that there are people who have 10,000 usd somewhere 20,000 usd somewhere 50,000 usd somewhere do you have an arrangement for those kind of people to invest in your business for now we don't and actually the fundraising process is a process that we want to manage thinly if i can say that because sometimes it's not really about getting the money we want this product to be a nigerian thing first mm. so we are really careful what part of the company goes to where kind of so the dream is for this to be a wholly owned nigerian company so the investment we are seeking in prioritizing local investors first going forward once we begin raising funds for it there is not something we've begun as it is right now but it's in the pipeline definitely in the pipeline awesome yeah so abdulik it's been really really great speaking with you we've been at this for just an hour and yeah. I, i have to name myself that you're a very busy man thank you so much for coming on the show yeah typical question one last one and then i'll let you go if you would nominate two people to come on this podcast who would they be two people to come on this podcast in the renewable energy space yeah renewable energy climate environment hmm um the truth is for the life of me i can't even nominate anybody i guess i can't I, okay my circle is kind of really small i guess i don't know my co-founders and who i work with i don't really yeah. have much interaction with other except for a couple of events that we actually attend and stuff but i really can't say okay, this person should be on the podcast really awesome you're a typical engineer a proper engineer to blood work <laughs> very good all right thank you so much abdul malik it's been really really interesting and enlightening speaking with you and i wish you a lot of growth thank you so much for having me as we check out our website at least to see what it's about can you go over your website address again and maybe it's powerbox.com again powerbox.com.ng do you have social media handles Yeah, so we have on um, Powerbox Energy on Twitter and then Powerbox Energy also on Instagram. Awesome. All right, yeah. go there people and check out what they're doing. Thank you so much Abdul Malik um, to have Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. I'm really grateful for you too. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. Okay.